Did you know that over 60,000 new tracks are uploaded to Spotify every single day? That's a new track every 1.4 seconds, and that's just on one platform. With so much music now available, it's more important than ever to stand out from the crowd. So it's not surprising that more artists are starting to use less conventional sonic textures in their music, like field recordings. Perhaps you've always wanted to infuse the sounds of nature or your favourite city into your own tracks, but not having the right gear or knowledge might have held you back. Well, if that's the case, you're going to love the brand new guide I just created, teaching you how to start field recording with just a smartphone. And it's all yours for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel. Yep, you really do just need a humble smartphone and some minimal extra gear that doesn't have to break the bank to get started with field recording. And I've laid it all out in this handy five-point checklist. So download it for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel and elevate your music to the next level. It's easy to see just how meaningless this surface-level obsession with makes, models, names and dates is when you're not expected to know it, let alone be given a free pass to share it without your true understanding being doubted due to your gender. Another factor I would like to add into this discussion is also the lack of space for mistakes, experimentation and the unknown in music tech learning spaces. The best music tech spaces I have had the pleasure of being in have valued these things profoundly. But in my experience and many of the women I've talked to, this is far from ordinary. Hello and welcome to Girls Twiddling Knobs. My name's Isabel and over the last decade, my self-produced and self-released music has amassed over 25 million Spotify streams. I also have a PhD in sonic arts, but I wasn't always this confident with music tech. In fact, I still hear those self-doubt gremlins in my head from time to time. I started this podcast to help more female-identifying musicians start recording and producing their music and learn from other women making music with technology. If that's your cup of tea, then you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in. Well, hello, knob twiddlers. I'm so thrilled to be here with you because I'm back with another bonus podcast episode for you. And I must admit, this episode was supposed to be longer, but it got so long, I've split it into two parts. So keep an eye out next Sunday for the rest in a follow-up bonus episode, which will outline the approach I've developed over the last five years to truly help women thrive with recording and production. But this first bonus episode today will outline why music production courses have largely failed women up until now. Failed is a strong word, I know, but the stats speak for themselves. Only a quarter of A-level music students are women, and this percentage declines steadily as they progress up the academic ladder to undergraduate and postgraduate programmes. Only 2% of producers listed on the Billboard Top 100 are women, and only 15% of the Music Producers Guild members are women too. There are many other surveys and reports with similar evidence which are linked to in the show notes too. Therefore, I thought it was important to first explore this pre-existing context before I launch into outlining how my approach differs, partly just in case you ever need to share it with someone who just doesn't get it, dear listener. 
but also because if you're teaching music tech at a university, school, or just using it with other people in a studio environment, you'll probably have noticed how women are still in the minority in these spaces. And that even those of us that make it there are generally less likely to speak up, share ideas, or get hands-on with new gear and techniques. Not all women, of course. Perhaps you're listening thinking, I'm a woman and I've never had a problem taking up space in this way. But I'm pretty sure that people listening right now who hold these types of spaces will be nodding their heads. And also, I know that the vast majority of women listening who have been a student in these spaces will likely be nodding their heads too. Because here's the truth. The methods that we've used so far to help more women learn and thrive with music technology in traditional education settings haven't worked, and they're still not working for many women. These music tech spaces have been around for a long time now, and women aren't legally banned from them. But so far, either there hasn't been any organised effort to make them more inclusive, or the efforts that have been made have missed the mark, although there are some encouraging developments in this area too. I sadly don't have time to go through all the exceptions to the rule in this episode. So if you're listening and thinking that my music production undergraduate cohort are 50-50 men and women, believe me, I really respect the considerable effort you will have made to make that happen. But that's still not the case for the vast majority of music tech learning spaces. And even once the issue of diversity has been addressed many spaces are still not inclusive overall, which has a huge impact on women's actual lived experience of these spaces and the opportunities they can access afterwards too. So if you're a woman in music, this episode will help give you some clarity on why learning to record and produce your music may have felt really tough before. And if you hold a music tech space yourself, this episode will shine a light on what might need to change in order to make it truly inclusive for women and everyone for that matter. Like I say, this bonus episode is just laying out the past and present wider context. The bonus episode I'll be sharing next week will get into the how, what and where of the approach I've developed over the last five years teaching thousands of women around the world and how you can make positive change in this area too. But for now, let's look at what's not been working so far for women in music tech education so we can start to put it right. So firstly, just a disclaimer, yes, this is going to be a generalisation and yes, I will be drawing from my personal experiences and the experiences of my female peers and my students to give you some real world context. But there is some very compelling academic research on this topic that I'll also be drawing from, more than I could fit into this episode and which I've linked to in the show notes. And I also wanted to make it clear that there is still a lack of research into gender equality in a more expansive, inclusive focus. So people who do not identify with binary gender identities like male and female. But it goes without saying that there a lot of the things that I'm discussing here to do with women very much affect people who are gender expansive or from different gender minorities. However, more research on them and those different identities as needed. And as this is just a shorter bonus episode, I'm not going to pull through all of the research with you right now. So do explore the references that I've shared in the show notes if you're interested. 
But one 2008 article by sociologist of music, Dr. Victoria Armstrong, published in the Journal of Gender and Education is particularly helpful as it effectively articulates the issues with music tech learning cultures, stating that, and this is a long quote, by the way, Male teachers and male pupils dominate social interactions that focus around technological talk. In addition, the prevalence of an ad hoc way of learning about technology largely favours boys' way of engaging with technology which draws on skills and competencies that reflect their out-of-school experiences of computers through game-playing and surfing the net, for example. Gender equality issues appear to be framed within a discourse of access – But my findings suggest that this seriously oversimplifies the issue. The gendered cultures in which technology is used are a much more important factor when considering why girls express lower levels of confidence in their technological skills, even when access is not an issue. Boys in their engagement with technology and mastering new technology are symbolised as being technically skilled, whereas girls are positioned as less technologically expert. So that is a long quote, but let's unpack the factors that Armstrong covers here. Firstly, male teachers and students who vastly outnumber female and gender expansive teachers and students talk the most in these spaces. However, over many decades, research has established that verbalisation significantly enhances our ability to learn and retain information. Therefore, If women and girls are less likely to take part in dialogue in music tech spaces, they are at a learning disadvantage. Next, Armstrong identifies a prevalence for ad hoc learning in music tech programmes, i.e. just getting your hands on something and having a go. Furthermore, I would add that it's often presumed that students have a certain amount of foundational knowledge, for example, how to open up a DAW and load up a new recording channel. This puts women at a learning disadvantage again because for reasons that we don't have time to expand right now, boys are far more likely to grow up playing with tech, both alone and with other people, than girls. And lastly, Armstrong notes that while access has been flagged as the main issue regarding gender equality and music technology, the culture women and girls encounter in these spaces is much more problematic. Because even if you're able to enter a music tech space as a woman, if you're presumed to be less technically skilled than your male classmates, and if you've internalised this too, then this puts you at a disadvantage. But there's a couple of other things I would like to add to this list that characterise the traditional male-centric music technology culture. Firstly, most of these spaces preference a very narrow form of knowledge, primarily to do with memorising terminology and make some models of equipment. Additionally, memorising a long list of producers, artists, studios and albums has a high knowledge currency. This object-based knowledge is seen as being a masculine trait in Western culture and is valued very highly in music tech environments, including the classroom. However, how much this actually translates into better sounding music and innovative uses of technology is debatable. And yet, Many women will find this emphasis hugely intimidating, partly because of the issues Armstrong outlined in the above article, but just as much because they may not find object-based knowledge and exchanges of information particularly interesting, whether that be down to nature or nurture. But I would argue that many women have a genuine desire to use technology in order to create and produce work, rather than get distracted by factors that are less important in the overall process, such as more object-focused knowledge. 
Furthermore, it's easy to see just how meaningless this surface-level obsession with makes, models, names and dates is when you're not expected to know it, let alone be given a free pass to share it without your true understanding being doubted due to your gender. Another factor I would like to add into this discussion is also the lack of space for mistakes, experimentation and the unknown in music tech learning spaces. The best music tech spaces I have had the pleasure of being in have valued these things profoundly. But in my experience and many of the women I've talked to, this is far from ordinary. Most music technology spaces still promote a culture where it is imperative to present as if you know almost everything already and that your process is fully formed and watertight. As a man in these spaces, not performing as an expert at all times means you run the risk of being laughed at, disregarded or not being called back for a job. It's for this reason many men find music technology spaces problematic too, as they have to always put on a front, which breeds anxiety and exhaustion. As a woman, it also reinforces a stereotype that you aren't interested in technology, don't understand it and shouldn't be trusted with it, even if you own the technology being used or are using it on your own work. As soon as a malleable, ever-evolving understanding based on questions, exploration and intuition is displayed, it is then presumed that the woman in these spaces needs someone, usually a man, to step in and help so she doesn't royally mess it all up. This further adds to disadvantage of her learning opportunities, despite any equal access this space might profess. Therefore, getting your hands on some gear and risking publicly making a mistake, or trying to contribute to the conversation with a question that would expose you as not an expert, or even sharing your knowledge about a particular aspect of music technology only for your wider knowledge on the subject to be automatically scrutinised, feels like the nail in the coffin for your credibility as a woman in these spaces. No wonder Armstrong's work and the other studies I've linked to in the episode show notes have found such a lack of participation and therefore a compromised learning opportunity for female students in music tech education. Furthermore, few women are teaching music technology. You're still very unlikely to be taught even one module in a music technology degree by a woman, let alone find them in the role of module or programme leader. This further reinforces that these spaces are not associated with women and that expertise and knowledge about these subjects are not transferred with and through women either. So to further summarise, here are the eight main issues I just identified in traditional music technology spaces. So firstly, number one, women are presumed to be less skilled or interested in technology. Number two, women have often internalised this stereotype before entering a music technology space too. Number three, women and girls are less likely to have used music technology informally outside of educational and or professional music tech spaces. Number four, therefore women are less likely to be confident getting hands-on and ad hoc with technology, the preferred learning style in music tech education spaces. Number five, women are less likely to participate in conversations and dialogue in music technology spaces. Number six, terminology, measurable information and reliable outcomes are valued over experimentation, intuition and exploration. Number seven, there is an aversion to displaying any lack of experience, knowledge or even fully formed opinions. Number eight, there is a lack of female representation amongst professionals, mentors and tutors in music tech education. 
Phew, okay. Well, these are all factors I've experienced and witnessed across my career, whether it be in choosing my A-levels, learning in a university classroom, or recording in a commercial music studio. Most of the time, at least five or six of these elements have existed, if not all of them. And I have been hugely attuned to the presence of these problematic factors in the music tech spaces I have found myself in, specifically because they didn't work in my favour. In fact, they never do for women unless we conform to the boys' club, unusually but luckily because it just feels natural to us, or by playing along through some kind of considerable but hidden effort on our part. The spaces that haven't ticked all those problematic boxes that I've experienced have been hugely in the minority. And as I have said before, I have spoken to numerous other women, whether they be musical peers, classmates or my own students, who've had similar experiences and this only works to strengthen the research in this area. Now, one thing we haven't even touched upon yet is the sexual harassment and assault that women disproportionately experience across the music industry and in music technology spaces. I myself have experienced this and I personally know multiple other women who have suffered from the whole spectrum of these abuses and again studies back this up. For example, in the Women Make Music five-year report published in 2016, 78% of respondents said they had experienced sexism, while in 2022, the Independent Society of Musicians released a report which found that 58% of respondents had experienced sexual harassment in music and 78% of those respondents were women. I've left links to both these reports in the show notes so that you can take a closer look if you're interested. There are many other reports with similar findings from across the industry and the world, but I won't go into them here as there just isn't time. But it makes sense that if you've already experienced sexism, sexual harassment or even abuse in music tech spaces previously, joining a music tech course, a learning space may not feel easy, let alone thriving in one as a student. And perhaps you're thinking, all right, Isabel, preaching to the converted here, we agree, there's work to be done. So what can we actually do to help women truly thrive and enjoy music tech learning spaces? And that's why next week's bonus episode will be the super practical second parter, where we'll look at how to build a music tech learning culture that works for women and everyone for the better. But for now, I hope you found it helpful unpacking why gender, technology and education have had such a rocky path so far and why women have been disadvantaged in music tech education so far. If you're a woman who's been beating yourself up because you never pursued music production, even though you took an A-level or degree module in it, for example, I hope this episode has shown you that there are far bigger things at play than any personal failing on your part. Learning spaces of any kind, including music technology, are never neutral and unbiased. And if you yourself teach, facilitate or even just hold a professional position in a music tech space or studio, I hope this episode has been a good grounding on why these environments often fail women through a lack of not just diversity, but true efforts towards inclusion too. So do join me, though, in next week's bonus episode where I'll be sharing how we can turn this around and I'll be sharing some inspiring stories from my students, too. But before then, I'll be back with one of our regular Thursday episodes in just a few days time with a guest who will really add to today's conversation. That's because I'll be joined by one of my amazing Home Recording Academy alumni students, composer and producer Lois Leland, who'll be sharing why she's finally owning the title of musician after learning to record and produce herself. But till then, 
Take care and I'll catch you here soon. Girls Twiddling Knobs is hosted and produced by me, Isabel Anderson, with production support from Jade Bailey. The show notes are compiled by Francesca O'Connor, and this is a female DIY musician production. So, how do you like that episode, dear listener? If you loved it, And you know someone else who would love it too. Be a good friend and share it with them. Go on, spread the girls' twiddling knobs love.